talking about being established this month and for those of you that have been in service or have listened to the podcast uh, we're talking about being established but not just as a person we're talking about ministries that God has established so for example there was there was awakenings there was uh, revivals there were things that God did that established ministries established uh, uh, groups of uh, communities of, of believers right so there was expressions what we the term we would use is ecclesiological expression so there was a uniqueness in the Azusa Street revival that came out and, and the Pentecostal movement was started and God established this thing, right? And then out of that, we saw different different ministries, uh, different uh, people, uh, pastors, preachers, teachers. We talked about Angelus Temple. We talked about how uh, God established a ministry in LA that now impacts the world. It's a global ministry, uh, Foursquare Churches. And um, on top of that, how uh, Amy Semple McPherson had an impact and an influence to Hollywood, how uh production studios. Uh, Charlie Chaplin would go in and listen to and watch her services. So their church was so creative and so influential that people uh, basically were watching and, and, and learning and being influenced and impacted from what they were doing. So in this, that's what we've been talking about, being established, all right? So that the main scripture for this whole series has been 1 Peter 5, verse 10. And it says this, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Okay? So after all, you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So like I said, we talked about all the ministries. We talked about all things God established. Um, we see what God establishes on the scale of like a ministry and communities, but I want to bring it back down to a personal level. One of the scriptures we used last week in the message was James 5, 7 through 8. And the application of this can be very personal for us. Now we can share about it in a corporate way where uh, people are, are, can apply it in, in a setting of, of multiple or groups of people. But in a personal way, I want to read this. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So, I want to focus on the part where it says, establish your hearts. Okay, so establishing your heart, what does that mean? The first question would be, how do you establish your heart? How do you establish your heart? Because again, the scripture says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The idea is, he says, uh, the prelude to that is you also be patient. And then he says, establish your hearts. So there's a waiting there's a, a, a patience, there's a, a positioning that's not in a rapid pace, it's not in a, a quick moving thing. Uh, we love to use action or, or verbs, yeah, action verbs in, in churches 
to uh, create this idea that there's always this constant movement and there's always these amazing things going on. You know, uh, there's a one uh, Instagram account that they always joke about uh, different churches and they call it action verb church because there's a lot of, you know, uh, different words that people use for the name of the church. And the idea is that we create this, this position or perspective that being a Christian is always this quickly moving thing. And the truth is that there's patience and there's establishing that happens in the normal, routine, quiet, in the simple, in the things that we just are consistently doing. So how do you establish your heart? The Matthew Henry commentary says this, establish your hearts, let your faith be firm without wavering. Your practice of what is good, constant, and continued without tiring and your resolutions for God and heaven fixed in spite of all sufferings or temptations. So let's back up a little bit. Your practice of what is good, constant, and continued. That's one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with is you, it's hard to be constant. It's hard to be consistent. It's hard to continue. And then it says without tiring, without tiring, that's hard. And your resolutions for God and heaven fixed in spite of all sufferings or temptations. Okay. This is, and this is the crux of the thought. He says this, the prosperity of the wicked and the affliction of the righteous have in all ages been a very great trial to the faith of the people of God. So, the idea would be this, God, I'm doing everything I can to do what is right, to be holy, to live righteously, to speak truth when everyone else speaks lies, to uh, be loving and kind when everyone else is hateful and spiteful. And we do everything in our power to do what is right. And it says, but the prosperity of the wicked. So we, we think, man, we look around and we see, those people are wicked. They treat people horribly. They use and abuse them, and they're doing better than me. Their life, their money, whatever it is, we see that. And that's a, and it says the affliction of the righteous is another thing that um, where we see like someone who's living righteously and things are not going well for them. So you may know somebody that you know they're a solid Christian. You know that they pray, they read their Bible, they love the Lord, they treat people as the Bible teaches us. Um, they do everything they can to walk in a spirit of humility, and you see bad things happen to them. And the part that, that Matthew Henry is bringing out here is this has been a very great trial to the, to the faith of the people of God in all ages. Meaning in all, every generation, we see that. We see the wicked people looks like it looks like they prosper and they get ahead, and then the uh, righteous people they go through all these trials and hardships. And so he's saying, and Matthew is bringing this out, that it is a great trial to the faith of the people of God. David tells us that his feet were almost gone, meaning like he was like his feet were swept out from under him when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's King David, you know, when he writes in the Psalms, he just, Psalm 7, 73, verse 2 and 3. Uh, and some of those Christians that James writes about, um, he, he, they, they talk about how their hearts and their faith and their patience are the things that establishes them. And so I'm, I'm reading this commentary because we're going to answer the question, how do you establish your heart? And I, I think there's already another question that comes to mind, but I want to read also from the Moody Bible commentary. And... Uh, James 5, 7 through 8, verse 7, James began his conclusion, returned to a central theme of endurance and trials. 
Brethren addresses the Christian readers again to encourage those who might be facing abuse from the unrighteous rich. So James is bringing the mindset to talk about some of the abuse they might be facing from the unrighteous rich. In Israel, the early autumn and late spring rains were needed for a successful harvest. Okay, God's harvest of people, which is the precious produce of the soil, is not yet complete. But James' point here seems to be that the steadfastness of these believers in the midst of hardship will result in great rewards. Okay, so the position of how do we establish our hearts has to come from a place of understanding first, it's going to be hard. There are difficulties. It's going to be a challenge when you see all the good things happening to all the bad people. Okay, that's the first challenge. That's, that's the one thing that you'll see. As soon as you're trying to be consistent and live right, you'll start to notice how the heck are they successful? Why do good things happen to them? You know, and then you'll look at the righteous. You'll be like, man, I know that dude. I know that lady. I know them. They're doing what's right. And they're, the whole world is coming against them. And again, this is perspective. This is positioning to understand how do we establish our heart. Now, the question that can come to mind as a secondary one is from Scripture, and it's a good question. How do you establish your heart when the Bible calls it evil and deceitful? How do you establish your heart when the Bible calls it evil and deceitful? What do I mean? In Jeremiah 17, 1, it says this, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. 17, verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it so um, it talks about sin being engraved on the tablet of their heart so basically like this you're sinful your nature is sinful like the things in your heart are sinful second it's deceitful you you know the the whole theme behind a lot of um industry or uh film industry movies hollywood they, they present a lot of the position of follow your heart, you know, follow your dreams, listen to your heart. And scripture tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. So uh, I want to bring it to this kind of like example or metaphor or analogy that is like this. I don't know how you feel about tattoos, okay? So this is not an argument about tattoos. This is not for or against. This is an example. Okay, so I don't know how you feel about tattoos. For what we're going to say, it's not a big deal. We're not going to go into that. It's an example that I, I'm going to use, okay? A tattoo on a person is an identifying mark. It's an identification. So if someone gets a tattoo in 10 years, that tattoo will still be there. It'll look a little different. You know, it might be like just, you know, not taken care of. It'll look a little bit different, but... What I'm saying is this, it'll still be there. It's an identifying mark, okay? Uh, if you and I, we went out and we got matching tattoos, you know, we went to some little local uh, um, shop and we got, I don't know, some just random tattoo, okay, a Christmas tree. We got a Christmas tree on our shoulder. Um, and we just went and got, got these matching tattoos and then we lost contact with each other, okay? 
for 20 years. We haven't seen each other and um, we just lose contact. We don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, they're our family members. We don't talk. There's there's no communication. We've completely lost that that relationship we had. And in 20 years, we run into each other again. Now, we'll probably look very different uh, in 20 years. There might be some weight gain. <laughs> there might be some loss of hair. There might be some uh, growth of hair. You know, um, there just might be some differences, right? You you're, you might be out in the sun more. Your skin might be darker. You know, you might be, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, just difference. We're going to look different in 20 years, okay? Um, like I said, the the larger, you know, that's that's the weight, the scale, you know, that's that's a big deal. It does it changes the way you look. So if we saw the same person and they said, "Hey, it's me." Or if if I saw you and I said, "Hey, it's me." But I looked completely different. One of the things that we would do is uh be like, "Look, it's me." and show the tattoo, right? The tattoo would be uh, a marker, it'd be an identifying thing, it'd be a story that you and I know, but no one else does. It's something that we can recollect, something that we can recall, we can pinpoint, we can, it can be the point of the conversation. But what I'm saying is this, if we saw the tattoo, we would know that's my friend. That's the one that we went and got matching tattoos. This is, this is, I know it's them because that mark identifies them. Okay. We look different, but this identifying mark is on them. Okay. So we would call our appearance deceitful. We can say that our appearance deceived us. I didn't recognize you. I didn't know it was you. I didn't believe that was you, right? It's, it's, it's something that's not clear. It's like, what? Like that's you, you know? So it's deceitful. Now, I wouldn't go and you know, say like it's, well, appearance can be evil or anything like that, but I'm saying for the, the purpose of the example, the appearance, appearance can trick us. The appearance can not give us a cold, like hard, uh, direct conclusion. Um, you get where I'm going with this. The ever-changing appearance could be misleading, okay? But the tattoo would be the identity, the story behind it, the placement of it, the exact image that was put on you, the thing, the, the, even the, the question or the desire, the conversation that sparked the idea, all of that is the identifying mark on a person. So if we look back in scripture, remember we read 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If we go to Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, for this is the covenant, and we're in Jeremiah 31, verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So I say the whole tattoo thing, to, to give you this visualization of what God is saying. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Meaning, even though our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, 
when God marks us, when it's written on our heart, it's an identifying mark. Okay, the parallel I'm trying to draw here is what is written on your heart. That's, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. What is written on your heart? You will be a different person because of the seasons of your life. You will go through things that you didn't expect, that you never thought, that you, in the farthest dreams, you would be like, I never saw myself here. Okay? And you will be a different person because of the seasons of life. Everything you go through from relationships to uh, career to um, unexpected, you know, uh, issues, you know, all those things, they change you. But if God's word is written on your heart, you have an identity that you are known by. And the recognition is to God. The recognition, Lord, I wrote your word on my heart. I wrote your law on my heart. And everything I went through, I put it on my heart, okay? That's what we look at here. Uh, in verse uh, 33 of Jeremiah 31, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. In 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22, and we're talking about being established, right? We're talking about being established. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So again, we have a scripture pointing to our hearts, to what's written on our hearts, to what's in our hearts. And so the thing is this, that like I said, the seasons of life can change you. Things can happen. You can, you can, there's church hurt, there's, there's trauma, there's things that are just um, bad things that happened. And if we, if we look at our hearts, what's written on our heart, Lord, you put this on my heart and everything I've been through, it's still there. Proverbs 3, 3 says this, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So two things that, that scripture teaches us, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you steadfast love and faithfulness write them on the tablet of your heart right so it's like write it on your heart how do i establish my heart i write god's word on my heart not physically okay so <laughs> if anybody's listening and they're like what like not physically what i'm saying is you take a position to say lord i'm gonna read your word and i'm gonna hold it and i'm gonna put it on my heart that way whatever happens whatever whatever goes on that when I find you, when I when I feel distant and I come closer to you again, that it would be a recognition of I know you, you know me. I put it on my heart. It's it's tattooed there, right? Uh, Proverbs seven three. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So how do you establish your heart? You write them on the tablet of your heart, God's word, right? And this is, this is the comparison place. This is where I, I could say, you know, hey, if I asked you about sports, if I asked you about uh, something going on in the industry you have your career in, 
you might have such a detailed recall that it would blow me away or I would just completely lose interest because be like I was just being polite. And you're like, oh, let me give you the statistics, the percentages, the growth rates, you know, the, the demographics, you know, let me give you all those, the, 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 the details of what I do, what I, you know, what I'm part of. And the thing is this, that you might have such a recall on all that stuff, but as a Christian, we are called to have a recall on God's word. We are called to have a recall on the detail of who God is and what he says. It's written on our heart. It's, it's like I said, I gave you the example of a tattoo, tattooed on our hearts. It's not going anywhere. No matter what goes on in life, I still know what his word says. Psalm 119, 10 through 12. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Okay, so verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And like I said, seasons, uh, times, there are, there are moments when we're not able to, to live out our faith in the ways that we desire to. Uh, some of you may have a desire to, you know, go be a missionary and you're like, man, I just can't do that right now. That's okay. You're, you're establishing your heart in whatever season you're in. You're storing up his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. This is what we know, okay? We are sinful. We need to repent and we need a savior. We, those, are, those are facts that we need to know. We are sinful. We need to repent and we need a savior, okay? We get that from scripture, we take that, we absorb it, we put it in our heart, we write it on the tablet of our heart. Okay, what scripture, you know, can you write on your heart that, that would help you? And again, this is not a call to go get your chest tattooed, all right? This is not the, you know, hey, go write a scripture on your chest, get a big chest. No, that's not, I'm saying that, you know, the spiritual uh, position, perspective of absorbing God's word and putting and storing it in our hearts you know, what scripture? Uh, it's a call to spiritual, mental, and emotional immersion and absorption of what the Bible says. Okay? Spiritual, mental, and emotional is absorption. To be immersed in what the Bible says and to know it and to store it and to put it in a place where if... And again, the example of if we're so far from God and we run into him one day and he's like, you, you have my word on your heart. Yeah, I do. Like, you know, this, it's me. Like, Lord, I know you. This is, you know, this is what we had together. I know it's in my heart. It's tattooed there. Um, one of the places that I would leave you with, and then I'll, we'll jump off and I'll pray. But one of the places I would leave you with is John three sixteen through 17. Why? Because it sums up a large portion of the gospel. And it's something that I would say, if you're going to immerse yourself in and absorb and position it as being tattooed on your heart, it's a good one. So John three sixteen through 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him.
So, in conclusion, we read again uh, James 5, 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I, I want to again read what Matthew Henry wrote. Establish your hearts. Let your faith be firm without wavering. Your practice of what is good, constant, and continued without tiring, and your resolutions for God and heaven fixed in spite of all sufferings or temptations. Don't let what goes on around you um, harm the absorption or the immersion of God's word. We live in a fallen world. Wicked will look like they're prospering and righteous will look like they're being persecuted. But this is in our home, okay? And all that is wrong, God will right. So I want to leave us with that. Let's pray. And I, I hope this blesses you. But again, how do you establish your heart? The answer is you write his word on your heart, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Number one, that you, Heavenly Father, sent your son Jesus to die for us. That in our sinful nature, where we are desperately wicked, we are, we are given over to sin, that you provided a way for us to be free from all that. And Lord, we know that there is nothing that we do, there is no work, because you did all the work. It is just simply accepting and believing in the sacrifice that Jesus made. So we are grateful for that sacrifice. We are grateful for the opportunity to be in freedom and walk in truth and righteousness. And so today, Lord, we ask, be Lord of our lives. Let your name be lifted up. We ask that you would help us to not just read your word, but to be immersed in it, to be absorbed, that we would be established as Christians, that we would be established no matter what goes on, no matter if our community, if the people around us, if, if there's uh, chaos, that we would be established in your word and we would be established as Christians and that we would bring you glory, Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing, all that you have done and all that you will do. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for jumping in. Uh, we'll uh, get back to it. Uh, we have Baptism Sunday, this coming Sunday. So don't go to the church. We'll be at Sill Beach, 12 o'clock. All right. Have a wonderful evening.